from the well of death, from the chasm of silence, from the abyss of pain, come the screams of empty, come the choruses of misery, come the dark tales. Many sowed. Fireman Sam. Fireman Sam was a regular at the muddy trough. He'd been a regular for over 19 years now, starting all the way back from when it had still been known as O'Casey's, and he'd still been known as Sam McShane. Some people even called him Samuel. But now that he was into his early 40s, nobody knew him as Samuel anymore. Now he was just another day drinker, who had absolutely zero intentions of ever slowing down. Quite the opposite, actually. Every now and then, he'd show up to the bar with a black eye, fresh stitches, his arm in a sling or his leg in a cast as he hobbled along in crutches. People who knew him back from when he'd still been known as Sam McShane, from back in his student days at Elmgrove, or even further back, from the days when he used to horse about the streets with Leah Duddy, Glenn Doherty and Amy Morrison, were constantly sidling up next to him and speaking in these low, confidential tones, warning him to change his ways, else he'd end up floating in the Oak River one of these days. I'm telling you, Hugh Feeney warned him on that very night, you'll be found dead on the far bank of the Oak one of these days if you're not careful. There were weeks, and even months, where he'd take a break from the trough and go missing, as he stayed either with his sister Patty, or, if they had had a falling out, then in emergency social housing. Everyone, both in the city and in the countryside of Figley, thought that he was homeless based on how he dressed and smelled, and he had never bothered to correct them on it. But he lived in a house, and a proper nice one at that. He'd inherited the family home, which was a four-bedroom detached number, situated on a decent plot of land with a handsome front and back garden. Or at least, they'd been handsome back when they were maintained. They would have done another family a lot of good, but after decades under his stewardship, it had fallen to rot and ruin, and was now simply a shadow of its former self. You and me both, he fought and snorted. Something funny, fireman. Andy Doyle asked. You wouldn't get it, Sam said. Aye, whatever. He was in the trough that Friday night, as he was most nights, enjoying his... Well, he never really counted the drinks anymore, but he was at least a couple of Guinness deep when a gang of kids entered the establishment. They halted their conversation, surveyed the area, then whispered to each other, as if unsure whether or not to stay, because right now the bar was full of... old men. Perish the thought. Sam hated Friday and Saturday nights for that very reason, because it brought the kiddies out of the woodwork. They all filtered in, like wasps on white, annoying little cunts that they were. But there was nowhere else to drink in this hellhole of a village, if that's what the disjointed amalgamation of hills and roads known as Ashmore could be called. It appeared that they'd arrived onto the exact same conclusion, because they soon settled into one of three booths within the trough. When they spied Sam, they began whispering and glancing his way with all the subtlety of a bonfire. He couldn't hear them exactly, but he knew what they were probably saying. The same sorts of things that everyone else said. There he is. There's Fireman Sam again, trying to put out that fire. That's where the nickname had come from. It was a stupid joke. Eleven years ago, on a night following a day that Sam had received some bad news regarding a halt in his benefits, he came to the trough, and he went hard at it, trying to drown out the stress. That's when Peter Hunt slapped him on the back and announced loudly enough for the entire bar to hear, Jesus Sam, calm yourself down would ye? Are you trying to put out a fire or something? And ever since that random comment made one stupid random Tuesday night, the name had been branded to him. Fuck it, Sam thought. They would ridicule him no matter what he did. 
just like that time he attempted dry January and had gotten four days in and when everyone had found out, they laughed and laughed until they nearly pissed themselves. He started by ordering an orange squash and when that had brought tears to John O'Brien's eyes, he decided to opt for a splash of vodka in the next one and then a double vodka in the one following that. He didn't remember much of what came after that though. Now, tonight, he'd gone for the classic combo of a neat Jameson and a Guinness to wash away any creeping feelings of shame. When those were done, he threw his card back down on the bar again and said, Same again. That's enough for you, fireman Sam, Joshua Foley said. Fuck you mean that's enough for me. Sam practically snarled the words out. I drink in here every night, you daft bastard. Aye, and every night you have far too much to drink. The fuck would you know about it? You fucked off to London to uni and came back thinking you were better than all of us. Philip Rogers pounded his pint against the bar, as if to indicate that he agreed. Joshua cast him daggers. But you're still here, Sam said, motioning broadly to the bar. So what did that degree do for you, big fella? No, keep up the lip, fireman, and I'll have Big Mac toss you out on your ear again. Why don't you calm yourself down with an orange squash? Andy Doyle said, then guffawed to himself. Do you all mind that? Do you mind? Sam glanced over his shoulder and noted that the massive balding doorman was keeping a wary eye on him. You know what? Sam said. If you don't want my money, then shove your drink up your ass. I'll go home and have my own party. Aye, good night, Sam, Joshua said. See you tomorrow. More laughter flared up across the bar. When Sam emerged outside, the fresh air hit him like a haymaker. He stumbled down the path, which was situated right next to a busy main road. He was trapped within that weird time paradox that one enters when completely shit-faced, when time feels like it goes on and on forever, but is also over in a flash. Okay, so maybe it had been more than a couple of Guinness. Turning, he began down the lane. The lane had overgrown grassy tufts to either side of it, in addition to twin walls of hedges running parallel to it for over a mile. That was what made an already narrow trail an even tighter squeeze. It was suffocating walking down it, like delving down the esophagus of some great beast. It was next to impossible for two cars to pass abreast. One usually had to run off the road, into the rough, and wait for the other to pass. Sam was only about ten minutes away from his house now. He could see the shape of it off in the distance as a silhouette against the horizon, but his bladder felt like it had sharp pins in it, which only stabbed deeper with every step. Deciding that he couldn't hold out any longer, he waddled over to one of the bushes, unzipped his fly, and immediately let out a hot torrent of pus. A passing car shone their high beams and yelled something derogatory out the window at him. Sam didn't quite catch what they said, but knew the gist of it. He gave them the single finger salute with one hand, while he wagged his leaking cock at them with the other. Once he turned back, nearing the end of that sweet releasing feeling, he believed that he saw some movement from within the dark edges. After abruptly cutting off his stream, he listened and thought that yes, he could hear the leaves crunching and the twigs snapping. Is anyone there? He tried to call but knew the words were all muddled over his clumsy tongue. Okay, so maybe it was a lot more than a couple of Guinness. He finished his pass and zapped up his trousers just before he heard the rustling again. Accompanying it this time was a low rumbling sound. Fuck is that? He tried to say. He zipped his jeans back up and continued to stumble down the road with a touch more haste, But the further he drew away from the main road and the closer he drew to those hills lining the coast, the more oppressive the darkness became. There were no street lights down these lanes. Soon the rustling from the side became more violent, thrashing as the thing within cut through them. The rumbling was like a brewing storm. In addition to that, he heard sniffing and a sound like two wet bits of meat slapping together. That was when he began running. 
Back in his Elmgrove days, he'd been a passable runner. He'd even come fourth in the 100 metres in his entire class once, narrowly missing out on the bronze medal to Henry Cole. Maybe if he'd won that medal, everything would be different. But that was a long, long time ago, and his fitness had gone the way of his liver. To rot. His coordination was also shot. His jellied legs dragged him ever onward, until they got all tangled up in themselves. He tripped and smashed his head off the road. The small stones stabbed into his forehead as they became embedded there. Blood ran down into his eyes as he received a strong taste of it in the back of his throat. One of his teeth lay among the stones a couple of metres in front of him. Then he heard the stones behind him, crunching. When he turned around, he expected to see a feral dog or maybe even a wolf, but what he saw instead was only the size of a toddler. But to his mind, it was a giant. If spiders were anything to go by, the laws of size and fright are relative to the horrors contained within the boundaries. This thing had black, uneven tufts of fur, as haphazard as a child's arts and crafts project. The gaps between the tufts were wet, glistening leather. It was muscled, hunched over. It was almost shapeless, almost containing too many dimensions. It had white, porcelain teeth that formed a sort of grin. Smiler, a childish voice in his head had decided to name it. Its deep black eyes were so dark that they could be mistaken for holes in its head, were it not for the subtle sheen of glistening moonlight reflected upon the domed surfaces. Fireman Sam screamed and pushed himself up. He continued to stumble down the road, praying to God and the baby Jesus that another car would soon happen by to pick him up. But that never happened. To his great relief, though, he was creating more distance between himself and Smiler, even though it was plodding, slow. It was bipedal he realised, as he saw its small arms ending in razor claws, like a T-Rex. It couldn't run on all fours. He almost laughed. Its legs weren't... It screeched and stretched out its arms. Then, from underneath them, two wings unfurled. Everything else happened in that drunken time paradox, where everything becomes both fast and slow. It was fast as Smiler took to the air. It was slow as it descended upon Sam. It was fast as it hooked its claws through his skin and tore. It was slow as it dragged him off the road, kicking and screaming, until he was swallowed up by the dark hedges. What came after was slow too.